listening to audio from Oasis Church in Winter Haven, Florida. For more information about Oasis Church, please visit our website at www.oasischurchwh.org. And thanks so much for listening. Ephesians chapter 1. If you've got your Bibles, let's turn together. We're going to dig in. Last week, we learned that uh, Paul, the apostle, is the writer of this letter. The writer of this work to a group of folks living in the town of Ephesus, a city steeped in pagan worship. They were the, uh, they were the, the, the warden city, if you will, of the worship of Artemis, the Greek goddess of nature and all things to do with the animal human dynamic. And, and then we learned that Artemis was also the goddess known in the Roman world as Diana because they kind of just, they built off of one another. They just didn't like one another. So they changed the names the Romans did of Artemis and changed it to Diana, changed Zeus to Jupiter and things. But they're all the same pagan, not real God deity that folks were worshiping in Ephesus. And so Paul writes to this church, this group of believers that he had had an opportunity to spend some time with, about two and a half to three years. Paul had been in Ephesus and he had seen a number of folks come to faith in Jesus. In fact, the book of Acts tells us that so many people came to faith in Christ in Ephesus that the silversmiths raised a riot over the fact that folks were not buying as many idol representations of Artemis. And so they created a city riot that ultimately led to Paul having to leave. And we're not real sure if Paul ever returned personally to the city of Ephesus. And so now he's writing to them and he's trying to encourage them. And most scholars believe that he's writing from a Roman incarceration of, of house, uh, of house jail, if you will. He was, he was jailed in his home and, and, uh, watched over by some Romans, uh, guards and soldiers and what forth, but he was able to write and communicate. And that's probably when Paul wrote this letter and, and he identified himself as an apostle and he called them saints. And we reminded ourselves that a saint is not someone who does a lot of really good things. And that's how we understand sainthood in our culture. The terms that we use, how we use it, we say, well, so-and-so did so much good. We refer them at, to them as saintly. We think about our grandparents. We think about the saints that, that the Catholic church has identified as these are people people who did way more than any of us did. So we're going to call them a saint. That's not at all how Paul intended this word to be understood. This word saint means that these are folks who are followers of Jesus by faith, have had their sins forgiven through the death and resurrection of Jesus and are now set apart by God for God's purposes. God says, I'm holy, and now you uh, have the righteousness of Jesus because it's been transferred from Christ to you by faith in his death and resurrection as the only payment for your sin and as the only answer to your brokenness. And so Christ gives us his righteousness. We're holy by extension, meaning we're set apart for God by God. Guess what, Christian? You're a saint. How cool is that? Now, maybe not a New Orleans saint. This is Buck's territory, unless you're from Georgia. But I digress. <clears throat> Paul says, I'm writing to the saints who are in Ephesus. 
And guess what? God's grace and God's peace is yours. And we encouraged one another last week to recognize that as followers of Jesus, who we are in Christ are those who are consistently walking in God's grace. If we will simply recognize it, God's favor on us, not deserved, not because of what we bring to the table, but because of his great love, because of his great mercy, we walk in his great grace Today, we live in the favor of God. And we also have the peace of God always, regardless of what's going on around us, whether it is a terrorist, whether it is a virus, whether it is a pesky neighbor or the person in front of us at Walmart, we have the peace of God present and available if we will simply walk in it. Verse three begins a section that we're going to call a eulogy. And you say, why in the world would you call it a eulogy? Because when I say eulogy, the first thought that comes to your mind is a what? A funeral. And you would say, that is a very sad time. But a eulogy is actually a, a word in our English language that comes from the Greek word eulogeo. And that is a word that simply means fine speaking or speaking well of, or at times it means blessing. So if you think about the funeral that you went to and someone gave the eulogy, most of the time they are spending a few moments addressing the friends and family about all of the good and exciting and memorable things that are true about the one who has passed. And so what Paul is about to do is he's about to eulogize, if you will. He's about to express great praise toward God, which is a normal function in a Greco-Roman letter. It's kind of like I'm going to now say what I'm excited about after I've in included the greeting. Most of the time in Paul, he prays before he eulogizes, but at this point, he's just going to jump right into what almost seems like spontaneous praise toward God. So let's just read what Paul has to say in this, in this praise section, in this eulogy about his God to the people of God about who we are in Christ. Ephesians 1, 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. Uh, I'll take a break right here. Any of the guys that uh, happened to go to the men's retreat up in uh, Snowbird will remember 
Brody telling a story about God lavishing those things on us and he used it in terms of uh, a loofah that he found that he used. Anyway, yes, I digress. But that's that idea of lavished. I can't tell you that story, but maybe one day I will. He lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven, things on earth. In him, we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. I like that. Amen. Now, you teachers who are in the room, can I tell you something that I think is hilarious? In the Greek text, those verses, Ephesians 1, 3 through 14, are all one sentence. 202 Greek words making up one sentence. Well, why do they put the periods and commas in there? Because we ain't Greek and we need a breath. We're in the South. <laughs> Whew, that's a long sentence. And I'm telling you, Bible scholars have tried to figure out, okay, what is this? Is this a hymn? Is this a poem? And most recently, the prevailing scholarship is saying, no, we think what's going on here is this idea of a eulogy, this spontaneous praise, if you will. Now, of course, Paul is writing but it looks as though he's just letting it rip as he's writing. He's just dumping out his praise on the God who loved him and gave himself up for him in the person of Jesus and called him on his way to try to stomp out the church, called him not only to salvation, but to represent the Jesus he was trying to shut up. And so Paul is just letting it fly, his praise toward the Lord. This praise we're going to find out when we get to it all is just dripping with the Trinity. As we read it, you, were, you maybe possibly recognize that the first order of praise was toward the Father who chose us of his own will. Moving next to the praise of the Son who redeemed us, providing forgiveness in his blood. And then lastly, we hear Paul praising God, the Holy Spirit, who seals us by his presence with us. It's an awesome praise to the Lord. It, it reminds me of this song that I sang in high school chapel every I think we went every Wednesday Monday Wednesday and Friday when I was in high school if my memory serves me correctly and we would go into chapel and we would always begin with this and if you know it sing with me 
Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him all creatures here below. Praise him above ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. And this is my favorite part. Amen. Did y'all do the harmony? Did y'all hear that in there? I didn't. All I could hear was me. But that was my favorite part when we got to the amen. Those girls that sang chorus, they would bring the alto and a few of the tenors. And that was all. It gave me chills. The doxology. We give praise to the God who has given us grace, not only for salvation, but grace for today and peace to walk in. And then he just lets it rip. My intention today was to talk about God the Father who chose and the Son who redeemed and the Holy Spirit who seals. But I don't have near enough time for that. So let's deal today with one verse. 1 Corinthians 1, verse number 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. As we're doing this series in Ephesians, we recognize that what Paul is doing in chapters 1, 2, and 3 is reminding, he's grounding, he's, he's driving the point home about who we are if we are followers of Jesus. Not if we have, not if we have consented that Jesus is, yep, I believe that Jesus really was alive, I believe that he really did die, and, and I, I, you know, I have no reason to doubt that he was raised from the dead. Yeah, I, that's not the kind of, of belief he's talking. He's talking about those who have come to the, to the absolute conclusion that I'm a sinner and that I am broken with no expectation of fixing myself no matter how hard I try. I am the enemy of God. I am, I am rightfully condemned in my sin. But I believe that God, through his grace, mercy, and love, sent his son, God the son, the eternal God the son, to become flesh so that he might die for me. He might deal with what I can never deal with and I need it dealt with because I am currently under the judgment hand of God and I want God to forgive me and I know that it comes only by faith in Jesus, the crucified one, and God, here's my life. I surrender to who you are. I surrender to who he is, and I want what you want for me, beginning with your son being my Savior and Lord. Now, if that represents you, and I know for some that's a process, but salvation's not about bubblegum chewing belief. Yeah, I'll believe that just so I can have my ticket punched. That's not the kind of faith and that's not the kind of entrance into sainthood that Paul's talking about. Paul's talking about those who have trusted Christ and are with him. 
Do you know Jesus as your Savior? I'm not asking have you ever prayed a prayer. I'm not asking have you ever raised your hand to an evangelist that is preaching. I'm not saying have you ever come down after vacation Bible school and said some things because your buddy was there and you really didn't know what you were doing, but they were giving out candy to everybody who came, and so you wanted to get in on that, and Jesus sounded pretty good too. I'm not talking about that. I'm saying have you ever trusted Christ with absolute total confidence and belief that he is God and his death and resurrection are your only hope for eternity and today. If that's you, then you're a follower of Jesus. And what I'm about to say has everything to do with you. But listen, here's the awesome news. If you go, Pastor Kevin, I think I'm one of the Bible school ones that got candy. And I've always known about Jesus and I've always just assumed that I'm his father. But you know what? Really, I've never even considered that my life was for him now that I'm here. I never, I just made a statement. I made a confession and then I've lived on with my life. If that's you and right now you're going, I'm not really sure that I am truly a follower of Jesus. Can I tell you? The opportunity is open and you don't have to wait for an invitation song or to come forward or anything. It's just a matter of you going, whoa, God, I, I didn't realize that that's what you wanted from me. I, I, I do believe that Jesus died for me. I do want to be your, I, I don't want to be one of those that just have information about Jesus. I want him as mine and I want to be yours. That can be yours. If you'll just right here, I like I don't mean the thing that's beaten, but I mean in you where you know you exist and you know what you think and you know what you are resting in, if you simply surrender to the invitation that God has given us that's opened because of Christ, then you can be one of his. And I hope if that's you today, you'll do that, that you'll respond to his tug on your heart to believe. Here's what Paul says. God deserves our praise. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because he has blessed us, not just the hearers in Ephesus, but the believers in Ephesus, those who have trusted Jesus. He has blessed us, so we need to bless him. We need to be in a matter of praise to our Father because of what he has bestowed, what he has blessed us with. And I want you to hear everything he's blessed us with. Ready? He's blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing. Every spiritual blessing is ours in Christ from him. Now, what are these spiritual blessings? These are, these are all the benefits that we need in order to accomplish in this life everything that God has called us to. It's like, if you will, the jackpot spiritually. Now, I've never played the lottery. 
I, I, I've never, you know, I've, I've never played it So, because the odds are terrible. But I can tell you that I have often wished that I could be on one of those game shows, especially that $100,000 pyramid thing because I'm just going, they're, they're saying it and I'm just like, why can't, why can't you get this? Of course, I know I've got the answer down below, but still, I think I could do that. The folks who know me well know that I absolutely could not do that, but I think I could. And I imagine what it would be like to play. I've never, I've never subscribed to the Publishers Clearinghouse sweepstakes because they want you to buy a magazine. They tell you you can join even if you don't buy a magazine, but we all know that they put your name in the hat more times if you buy the magazine subscription. So I've never, never done the application for the sweepstakes, but it wouldn't bother me a bit to have Steve Harvey show up at my door wanting big checks. You know what I'm saying? It's like, what? I would love to be that surprised. I can imagine that. What Paul is saying is, we owe God a debt of praise from our heart and mind because he has given us the jackpot, people, spiritually. Everything we need to do everything he's called us to do is ours. And he's given it to us freely. Those that would say, you know, I would really love to serve the Lord, but I just don't feel like I'm qualified. I just don't have the ability. You know what God says? I've given you everything you need. It's, it's yours. You just have to walk into it. Think, think about with me, if you've been around the Bible, Sunday school, children's church, you've heard the story of Joshua. Uh, Joshua took over leadership of Israel from Moses when Moses died and Joshua led the people into the promised land. Here's what God told Joshua. God said, Joshua, when you go into the promised land, every place your foot touches is yours. Now, God's not trying to trick Joshua. If, Mr. Eugene, if, if the... If the guy at Guitar Center, when you walked into it the next time, were to say to you, you know, Eugene, I want to bless you today. Every guitar in this building that you touch is yours. I'm just believing my brother's is absolutely Greg. He's going to go down that bottom aisle just like, and he's, he's asking as he's running, how long do I have? You know, he's wanting to, so he's touching them all, guitars, six string, 12 string, mandolins, violins. He don't even play it, but he's touching it, you know, please touch a drum or two. Could you on your way around? So he's touching, he's looking for ladders to get all the ones he can touch, right? That's what God basically told Joshua. Whatever your foot touches is yours. But you know what had, Joshua had to do? He had to step into it. He had to go and he had to address Jericho. He had to address AI. And you say, wait a minute, my reading of Joshua says that they got whooped at AI. Right. Not because they didn't have what was needed, because they had sin in the camp. So right now you may be thinking, I've never been able to like fulfill the responsibility that I have in Christ. And I've never been able to walk in that. It may not be that you don't have what you need. It might just be you got sin in your camp. You see now why I would have never got through all these verses. God says, I've given you every 
spiritual benefit. Are you a Christian today? Are you a follower of Jesus? If the answer is yes, has God called you to an eternal purpose? The answer is yes, he has. You're like, but wait a minute. What, what about the job I got to go to work at tomorrow? That, that's perfectly fine because your eternal purpose can and should be realized in that job. It should be realized in every, well, wait a minute, I've got a trip I've got to take. Good, because your eternal purpose in Christ can be realized in that trip, in your home, at your dinner table, at the ball field, which I'd rather you not be at on Sunday, but I digress. You can fulfill your eternal purpose for what God has called you to in every arena of your life, if you will simply walk in that, if you will move in that direction because you've got it all. Well, who do we have it? Well, let me back up. What does he say? He's, I want to get to who we have it in in a minute. God has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing. Where, class? What does it say? In the heavenly places this is giving us the 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 source if you will of all of our blessings I was just reading over my notes this morning and I was thinking you know what when when we want to make sure that our documents and stuff doesn't get lost on our machines what can we do now where can we store it in the cloud Hey, is this not the ultimate storage in the cloud? I mean, nothing can corrupt it. Nothing can do. God says, look, I've given you everything you need. And guess what? It's safely sourced right here with me. It kind of gives us that idea of lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven because nobody can steal those. Rust won't attack those. Moths won't get to those. The, the stock market won't have any effect on those. So store up your treasure in heaven instead of earth because they're safely kept and stored where no one can get to them because they got to go through the sovereign Yahweh to get to it. Same with all of the benefits, same with all the blessings that we have in our spiritual life to live out those requirements of those things that God's called us to. He says they're stored and sourced right here in the heavenly places. The ultimate cloud storage. I'll never be able to say, God, I, I just can't access that forgiveness that you want me to because I can't get it to pull up. He goes, don't work like that. My servers never go down. It's always safe right here. And all you got to do, son, is walk in that forgiveness that's already yours. If you're harboring bitterness and resentment and all that stuff, that's because you've decided to do that. It's not because forgiveness is not available. Here's the idea that we ought to to wrestle with too. What about in that arena of forgiveness? Because that is a, a spiritual benefit that God has given us to where we can actually be mistreated and God calls us to forgive why we can't do that he goes yeah you can because you mistreated me and I've forgiven you so if I can do that for you you can do that for them it's a spiritual benefit there's no need for us to think about I'm not saying don't pray 
because we need to pray. And I'm not saying don't pray about whatever you want to pray about because God's capable of handling it. But I am saying, think about this. If I'm in a situation and I get on my knees and I say, God, help me to forgive that sorry rascal. You know what they did to me, but you're going to have to help me forgive them. You know what I think God's response is? Well, I've given you the Holy Spirit. I mean, like he's right there with you, with them. And I've already given you the benefit of forgiveness. So won't you just do it? Think about it. If you've got little kids, yes, they might have to ask you to get something out of the refrigerator because they're not responsible enough to pour it. If you have teenagers, they might have to ask you to get something out of the refrigerator because they're not responsible enough to save a little bit for me. But generally speaking, I mean, if you're a family, don't, do you want your kids to come to you and go, uh, dad, I would, uh, could I get a glass of tea? That'd be all right. You know, dad's like, yeah, it's in there for what? It's that idea of it's there. I made it for us to enjoy. It's yours. You're part of the family. I think that's what God's doing sometimes when we come to him and say, hey, Lord, would it, would it be okay if I just, uh, if I just forgave this person instead of being mad at him? You're like, yeah, that's already given. You don't have to ask me for that because it's yours and it's stored and it's sourced in me. It's always accessible. But then we find out the how. What's the means by which God has blessed us? It's in the words that come earlier, in Christ. This phrase, in Christ, it's used 91 times in the New Testament. This, this phrase, and sometimes it could be in Christ or it could be in him or in Christ Jesus or in Jesus Christ. But the idea is that it's in him, the second person of the Godhead, in Jesus, 91 times in the New Testament, just based on my quick search. 87 of the 91 times are used by Paul. So this is a very Pauline phrase, this idea of followers of Jesus being in Christ. It's a, it's a, a spatial, it's a locational type Thing. It's this idea that just like when we are born as humans, we are born into the nature and the, and the characteristics of our first father who's identified in Genesis by the name of Adam. So we're born with the characteristics and the nature and everything associated with humanity. We are, if, you, if, if you'll allow me, we are all in Adam, meaning we all, we all possess that that is, so we've got characteristics of Adam. But when we come to faith in Jesus, Paul begins to use this idea that now we are in Christ. We may have come from Adam as followers of Jesus, but now we are in him, meaning that the characteristics that are true about him are also true about us. I'm not talking about, well, that means we have the ability to do miracles and are we going to do? No, but it does say that as he was raised up from the dead, so too we will be raised. How? Because we are 
in him. So it's this idea of, of yes, I'm not, I'm not right there beside him, but characteristically, realistically, spiritually, I have been plunged into him. That's actually what we understand here at Oasis Church, what it means to talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We don't understand that as some sort of second work of God, whereby now all of a sudden we do things that we weren't doing uh, visibly and audibly, but we see it as the spiritual act of when God saves us, then the Holy Spirit takes us and plunges us, immerses us into Christ so that we become in him. That's how we get all these spiritual benefits because who owns them all in the first place? God Almighty, Father, Son, and Spirit. And if we are in Christ, guess what we benefit from? Everything that's his. And so Paul says God is deserving of great praise because he has blessed us and given us everything we need in Christ. And it's stored and sourced with him and we never have to worry about them being available to us. This verse gives us for the whole of the next few, this answer to the questions, who, what, where, and how, of these spiritual benefits, who, what, where, how, who, us, what, every spiritual benefit, where, in the heavenlies, how, in Christ. You say the question now is, when did this happen? When is this, and we'll get to that next week, when we talk about how God did this, I'll go ahead and tell you, in eternity past. But right now, we should allow the praise of our lips to be founded on this. We have everything we need to do everything God has asked us to do. And that's worthy of our prayer. That's worthy of our action. Earlier, when I spoke of, of Jim being broken. I mean, he's literally broken because he can't be with the body. How many of us coming behind him are of that same mind? So convinced in this faith we have in Jesus that we just can't stand not being a part of it. Well, we just can't, we just can't get our minds around the fact that I can't do and be what I'm most desiring to do. I think right now in this crisis of, of our ability to go and do like we want, I think we're beginning to see through our frustrations really where we're the most tied in our allegiance and our loyalty because the things that we can't and won't and, and aren't able to do, we're frustrated and we're beginning to see just kind of what we're 
to not find a better word, what we're really worshiping because now we can't worship it. What if these days were an opportunity for us to reboot our faith that has got so sidetracked and go, because chances are, I'm talking about praising God for what he's given us and, and many of us are going, I got you, brother. That's awesome. We need to do that. But how many of us is it resonating? Like, yeah, we do need to praise him. He is worthy of because we do have everything we need to do everything he's called us to. How much of that am I actually pursuing? Maybe these days of inconvenience would be a time for us to just do a hard restart. And go, you know what? What really is most important to me? What, what really is worthy of my praise? The toilet paper truck showing up at Publix? Just as a side note, if you run out of toilet paper, if I've got two rolls, I'll give you one. <laughs> if I've got one roll, it's going to be in squares. Okay, I'm just telling you. I got, but I will share what I got. Don't go without TP. I'm not trying to be flippant. I'm just, you know, what do you do? You got to laugh, right? You got to do something or you just go down. Okay. So what are we going to praise? The, the truck showing up at Walmart or the God who has given us everything we need? And the promise in Matthew and Philippians that, yeah, when it comes to all these physical things that you need, you seek me first. You seek my kingdom. I'll provide all you need. Now, might not be packaged like you used to, but it will be coming from the one who is able to provide where there is nothing to provide. Agreed? So, as we just take a minute, what if we were to, to all just in our hearts just go, God, because of Christ, you've given me the jackpot. It is mine. The jackpot of everything I need to accomplish everything you've called me to, regardless of the circumstances that are going on around me, you've given me the jackpot. And I just want to thank you. I want to celebrate you. I want to praise you for whom all blessings flow. I want to praise you as one of the creatures here below. I want to praise you above all the heavenly host. I want to praise you, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Come what may. Now that group of followers of Jesus can accomplish whatever he wants and I think that could be really really exciting don't you won't we be a part of that and if you don't know Jesus as your savior that can just be the truth of when you came that doesn't have to be the truth of how you leave if you will simply surrender to the good news to the gospel and that is you are a sinner you are broken you are responsible and under a just penalty of condemnation. But God was unwilling to leave you in that state, so he provided a means of salvation. 
through the person of Jesus, God the Son, who died in your place for your sin, a sacrifice acceptable, sufficient to meet every need that you have as a sinner. If you'll just surrender to me, God says, if you'll just accept what I've given as that free gift, I'll transform your life. I'll take you from darkness. I'll put you in the light. I'll take you from death in your sin and I'll give you new life in Christ. I'll take you from my enemy and I'll make you my son. Through birth, and as we'll talk about next week, adoption. Sons and daughters, are you one? I hope you are. If you're one, let's bow our heads and close our eyes. As we just for a minute, as we just admit, Lord, we've praised a whole lot of stuff more than we've praised you. We've been excited about a whole lot more things than all that you have given us in Christ. God, we have focused our attention, placed our trust. We've been engaged in so many more things. But right now, what we want to do is just say, God, move all that stuff out of the way for us. Just take your big old broom and just kind of sweep it out of the way of our heart and mind and just let us praise and bless your name. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, all that is within me. God, just let me stand in that reality of who I am and what I've been given from your gracious hand. Give me a glimpse of the fact that I don't need anything that's already all mine. It's all accessible if I'll just walk in it. God, restore my priorities. Place yourself in the forefront of everything else. God, show me things that I just need to confess as sin that are so contrary to what your desire is for me. Give give me the courage to just confess it to you as sin. And then, God, give me that courage that, well, you've already given it to me. God, we need to walk in that courage to make things right with our brothers and sisters, to apologize, to forgive whatever is required. We can do it. We just walk in it remind us of what needs to be done in obedience spur us along Father use us for your glory we look forward to everything you're going to do with heads bowed and with eyes closed I just want to remind you to your left to my right is a place that you can always go and have somebody to pray for you, pray with you, encourage you. Don't leave discouraged. Let's pray with you. Don't leave confused. Let's walk with you.
God, we look forward to what you're going to do. Pray that we will be ready to be used by you. For it's the name of the Son who gives us life through his death and resurrection, who will be king when he returns. It's in his name, Jesus. And everybody says...